Open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club podcast. Lucas Nord here. And I'm Cole Lang. And Cole, how are you doing today, pal? Not too bad. Good weekend. Good Very weekend overall. Very nice. Good weekends. Yep. Always a plus. Uh, yep, did a little bit of wine tasting. Ooh, did you this weekend? Tell me that you finally got to try some of that Amontillado. Please, I'm uh, begging you. No. So I, you know, I flew. I went to Barcelona a few weeks back. Oof. Um, and. You know, I was fully expecting to be able to find something that resembles an Amontillado. But every restaurant I went to didn't have it. Um, I couldn't really find any sherries. Um, It's not fair. Yeah, I just had a lot of sangria, and that was really good. Really good sangria. I'm glad to hear it. Yep. So, but the search continues. It is not over. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, that's not even a bad thing because you know that it's got to be somewhere. And even if you bump into it 20 years down the road, you'll still be like, ah, everything has been leading up to trying this Amontillado. (laughs) I can go ahead and retire now. Now I can go Uh, seal myself up in a stone safe. Yeah, (laughs) that's how I'm supposed to go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah natural causes <laughs> yeah uh yep. well we're uh we're back with even more dracula just when you thought we were done at part three <laughs> with an ending that didn't resolve anything we're back yeah but it just keeps going it's like the energizer bunny okay <laughs> this story just keeps going and you know i think that um it's like, it's kind of evident in my life, you know, I, I bump into a lot of things where I understand that I might not like it, but I at least want to try to enjoy or appreciate something. I don't feel quite that way with this book. I It wasn't miserable reading, but as we were just talking about before we got recording here, this book does seem like it just keeps going on and on, and I'm not sure if it's because of, like, the language or something. I'm pretty sure... There are other things from the same time period that are, like, more digestible or something like that. But this book, it's only about 400 pages, I think, and it feels like it's about 2,000. But once again, not in an entirely bad way. I think it's a pretty fulfilling read. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, just some, you know, those little golden nuggets uh, that you find along the way that make it worth it. But, yeah, this thing is pretty much written out as a play. So it's very dramatic. Um, So it's almost like a soap opera. You know, days of our lives, but imagine if Dracula was in it. Um, Oh, I'd watch it every day. Yeah, that'd be a fun premise. That is a fun premise. I I would watch that. Um, I'll pitch it right now. There you go. Yep, so um, in the last part, you know, there's evidence that uh, Lucy is a vampire now. Oof. Yeah, uh, big twist, big twist here because she's supposed to be dead. You know, she she looked very pretty. Uh, when yeah, she, she did when she died. Um, and so, Doctor Van Helsing, he is hell bent on you know, the, she's a vampire now, and she's the the 
the blue bluefin bluefin lady or whatever her name is um bluefur lady the bluefur lady um and, and so like there's been evidence of children being kidnapped at night and they have strange marks on them and um yeah dr van helsing thinks that's it's lucy and everyone's just kind of like dr van helsing this is wild this is crazy yeah you saw the corpse just like we did pal the beautiful beautiful corpse yep the beautiful lucy um you know she's looking pretty disgusting there for a while but once she died oh my god um she looks so much better (laughs) it must have been you know how like there's that urban myth about how after you die, your fingernails and hair keep growing, but it's actually just the skin receding. Maybe she just got a bit of a post-death Botox treatment where, yeah, all the skin on her face tightened up so she looked like a million bucks for a while there. Who knows? Yeah, it's hot girl summer. Hot girl summer. Hot girl summer. Yep. <laughs> um, exactly. And so also Dracula, he's... Uh, He's made his presence known, and I think in a very cool way, where he's just on the train, and Jonathan Harker is just terrified. You know, this Dracula, this version, looks much younger, um, but as you can probably assume, he is, you know, feasting on people in London and just having a good time. He had a little bit of a glow up himself. Yeah, yep. This is, uh... You thought this was hot girl summer? Well, now this is hot vamp summer. Hell yeah. Uh, we, got, we got Lucy. We got Dracula. They're both looking really good. And like we talked about, it must have been in the last episode, I think. Um, Jonathan, he can finally pinpoint where all of his, like, you know, trauma has come from. Because he didn't remember the beginning of the book when he went to see Dracula, and then he just kind of ended up wherever he was, and then him and um, Mina got married on his bed, his uh, hospital bed, while he was dealing with his bout of brain fever. And he's just been freaked out about this ever since. He's got his little journal that he said he'd keep tied up, and it would be like uh, their marital promise between him and Mina. And he has seen Dracula now, so this, like, unseen, unknown, complete presence of dread has, like, an actual, you know, he's got a face he can put to it now. Yeah, yep, he's he's had a rough time. And, Um, sorry, not to cut you off, but, like... It doesn't even have to do with just them, you know? Everything started the second that boat washed up, and, like... He's been screwing with a lot of people since he's been in town. Dracula, I mean. Yeah, just manipulating people left and right, but especially uh, with Lucy there, and um, just kind of slowly, um, I guess you know, penetrating that friend circle. He, you know? um, it's pretty interesting too. I suppose we'll get a little bit more into it, maybe even in this episode, but. It's pretty interesting having a villain in any kind of media that is there for the, like, strict fact that it's just evil, and you really don't get much else out of it, you know what I mean? And that's not even in a bad way, but if you watch any movie with, like, a villain, you know, they got some kind of motive, too, but Dracula just seems like he's here to, like, terrorize. Yeah, he's here to flip the... Society as we know it, upside down. Flip it. 
London specifically loves London, you know, spent years studying it. Yeah, um, he learned everything about it. Yeah, yep, and he's, you know, he's trying. He's just trying to adapt, you know. He's just trying to adapt. He's um, trying his best. But, but yeah, so like the last thing we ended on was uh, the crew. Uh, the, some of these guys, all the guys except for Jonathan. So it's uh, Doctor Seward, Doctor Van Helsing, Quincy, and Arthur. Uh, they're gonna continue their investigation uh, into Lucy's grave, and it's it's important to note that Arthur, this was his fiance, so this is some very uh, crazy stuff going on you know no one knows what to think of it but he's kind of he, he's really losing it over all this stuff and then Quincy you know he was also a suitor of Lucy's and you know somehow he just kind of walked in the picture yeah and he wants to help out um they've got a real they've got a real merry band of men here yeah a few good men yep, a few yep, good yep. men yeah. and we're gonna see that uh yeah these are these are a bunch of nice, you know, 1800s fellas who, uh, you know, have brave blood and powerful hearts. Yep, exactly. Isn't just that what it was? Totally. Yeah, sometimes uh, a woman just needs a brave man's blood. <laughs> a brave man's blood fixes every problem. Yep, but, that's what I say. But, you know, <sighs> I, I would like to inject a little bit of Game of Thrones into this episode, the books, of course. Um, you know, Bran asks Ned if he can be, or if someone can be brave while they're afraid, and Ned says, that is the only time you can be brave is when you're afraid. So just think about that. Ooh. Just think about it. Yes. Yep. They all know. They've kind of, like, you know, did the... Did the it thing. They didn't do the blood, you know, handshake, whatever. Uh, but they are in this to defeat Dracula. I see a lot of similarities with it. Like, it's this band of friends taking on this uh, uh, very... Crazy presence. You know, like, all-powerful. Yeah. Undefeatable. Yeah. Just um, truly evil. And yeah, once again, I suppose that's a very interesting parallel. I was just telling you before we started recording here that I just finished Pet Cemetery, and um, I also saw quite a few pretty interesting parallels between that and Frankenstein. Oh yeah, yeah. Stephen King, he gets his uh, horror from somewhere, and that's definitely a lot of the Dracula, Frankenstein. All that old horror, so very interesting. Yep, very and modernized. Just takes, uh, yeah, he goes, small town America. Yep, he goes get this instead of it being like a um, like a vampiric being. It's a clown, dude. <laughs> and then he he sold the book before he wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, good old Stevie. Yep. Um, so I'm ready to start part four. Are you ready to get this one going? I'm ready and I'm excited. All right. This is where things, you know, finally start to climax. So uh, the next part will be our last part on Dracula. Um, so, yeah, like, as I said, the last part, um, the crew, they're about to investigate Lucy's tomb. So they go to the grave and they open the lid 
and it's important to note that it is it is nighttime right now. And once they open the lid, Lucy's not there. Oh, um, but and they're just but dumbfounded. They just buried her there. I know, I know. It's just there's no rational explanation, and you know the rational guys are trying to be rational, but there's just a lot of weird stuff is going on. And so next, Dr. Van Helsing, he, uh, he, you know, he's always packing the communion wafers. Uh, it's very powerful against the vampires. He, so he, the way he uses those things through these, uh, through this book, he must have just bought a bunch of them on wholesale one day. A yeah. bunch of stale communion wafers. He bought like 10,000 at a time. <laughs> yeah. He, he went to the local Costco. Yeah, because he's seriously like... Uh, right from the start, he's like communion wafer, communion wafer, and you know he's using them to like um, prop table legs up when there's like a little wobble or something like that. He's always like, "Hey, check this guy, uh, check this out, guys! I got a communion wafer." <laughs> it's like his multi-tool, you yeah. know. Batman has his multi-tool belt, and, and hey, here comes Van Helsing. Get a little hungry too. I got all these yeah. communion wafers. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's good. It, it's a food source. It's a weapon. Yep. Um, oh, it's yeah. a weapon. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, just he has a ton of these things because he has enough to, like, uh, I, I don't know if he has it, like, in a dough form or, like, the actual wafer itself. <laughs> but, like, he basically, like, puts it all over the door into this tomb so Lucy won't come in. You know, once oh. she sees all that holy bread, yep. she's gonna be like, oh god! Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, this is not where I want to be right now. Yeah, and let me tell you, this, the, when I went through communion, that was the scariest thing. Getting up there and uh. in front of everybody and taking that wafer. Uh. <laughs> it just scared the shit out of me. Um... The body of Christ. I mean, that's a big deal. The so, body and the blood. Oh, that's overwhelming. That's very vampiric for you. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of signs of communion in this, uh, in this, in these next few chapters. So, uh, buckle up. Um, and so, once Doctor Van Helsing, at this point, the rest of the crew is just like. All right, we're just gonna let him do his thing. Um, there's, we can't really do much because he he knows everything, and uh, we're not gonna question him. He seems so, like he knows what he's doing either way, even if it seems like complete gobbledygook. Yeah, I mean his treatments have been working. Um, you know, nowadays he'd be a little bit controversial. Um, you know, he'd probably have the communion wafers and being like, "This is the vaccine," and. You know, but yeah, not not in this case. He is the he is a good guy, um, and so they're waiting outside to see if anything happens. And later that night, they say see like this human figure, and it has this white dress on, and it's carrying a moaning child, like a very small child. Oof. And the figure starts to move closer, and they can see that it's Lucy. And she has blood running down her lips and chin. Um, so this is a very interesting twist on, you know, the um, the role of motherhood, I guess you could say. Because usually, well, you know, women, 
they they become mothers. Well, and then you have this woman who is now feasting on a child. It's just this very messed up reversal of you know like a matriarch role. Um, and wow. yeah, so and we'll see that with Dracula too. Um, but yeah, like it's very wicked because you know women. And men, you know, men should be caring too, but women, they're the nurturers. And you're just not getting this with these vampiric creatures. Well, I guess... Uh, they're I, very... Go ahead. Violent. Yes. I guess I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah, right up top, when Jonathan is uh, spending his time at Castle Dracula, he sees the trio of beautiful vampire ladies that he was about to let just sink their teeth all into his neck and probably sap him he dry He thought something else was coming. He, yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, who even knows? But yeah, Dracula gave them a baby in a bag, and yeah, there's another, another case of the exact same thing, I suppose. The motherly figures ravaging the helpless baby instead of nurturing it. Yeah, it's a, just a wicked reversal on everything. Um, Very dark. Yeah, because they're mostly preying on children. I mean, Lucy, she's preying on children, too. Um, and so, like, when she, when Lucy sees all of them, you know, she's not like, oh, hey, friends, how's it going? Uh, she starts hissing like a cat. Uh, oh. <laughs> so she's just making these weird moaning sounds. Um, and they can see that, uh, like her eyes are very unholy like there's just something off about them you know just kind of like anakin skywalker in episode three when his eyes start to get all flamey and stuff because he's a sith lord now um (laughs) yeah we're getting all the references um and yeah um i'm not ashamed of it and Dr. Seward, he says that if she had to be killed right at that moment, he says, quote, I could have done it with savage delight. Yeah, so, that, there's a real <laughs> reversal for you, but it's uh, out of love. Yeah, like, um, Lucy, this was their friend, and they weren't quite convinced, but just one look at her. You know, she's feasting on this child, and she looks like a terrible monster, and they're like, all right, let's kill this thing. Like, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is the demons that the church has been warning about for thousands of years. This also makes me think back to Frankenstein once again. You know what I mean? This, uh, I guess it's spelled out a little bit differently, but during the beginning of that book, Victor Frankenstein creates this thing out of like rotting, you know, old human parts. There, It's a... Uh, real puzzle piece of a person that he puts together in making Frankenstein's monster. And like I said, it is spelled out a little bit differently, but leading up to it, he's got no problem with anything, but the second he saps life into it is one he's just like, this thing should never have existed in the first place. And, you know, maybe I'm thinking more Pet Cemetery with this specific thing, but it's pretty crazy that they are laying eyes on this thing that once brought them so much joy and happiness, but now just for the sake of, like, how crazy things have got, he's ready to rip this thing to shreds. Yeah, like, any doubts the crew had um, have been diminished, and they're ready to get the job done. Yeah, (laughs) Um. This this is a very... 
like headstrong pack of men in this book. Yep. Yep, very brave, very brave. Oh yeah. yeah I'm sure they're afraid right now. Like like Ned Stark said. Once again, yeah, exactly. That's how it goes, you know. Yep. So, uh Lucy, uh she starts to call out to Arthur and she says, "My arms are hungry for you." And like all of the guys stop for a second and they're like, Whoa, she sounded like really sexy there. And then they like shake their heads and they're like, no, 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 no. But Arthur, he is ready to go in for that hug. You know, maybe he never got a hug from Lucy because that was too, you know, intimate. Um, But Arthur, he's under this spell and he starts to walk towards her with open arms. And like Lucy does this inhuman leap towards him. But Van Helsing, he gets in between them, and he holds up the Holy Cross, and he says, ah, the, the power of Christ compels you, Works or something like every that. every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and at this moment, he's like, all right, Arthur, can I finally tear the head off of this monster? <laughs> <laughs> Enough <laughs> because funny in the previous, business. Yeah, because in the previous episode, he was like, all right, Arthur, you know, you do know that we're going to have to tear the head off of her, right? And they, they just didn't know the full extent of, like, what was happening with her. And they're just kind of surprised and, you know, thrown off and yep. kind of offended. These guys, But now Arthur these is guys, done. Oh, you're right. Yeah, these guys didn't have the pop culture lead up to knowing exactly where this story was going, as we've talked about multiple times. They didn't know about the undead vampire that comes back to life with no pulse and saps blood out of the living so he's uh the, these guys are in a real predicament and they don't even have um source materials to base it off of they can't even read dracula to learn anything about it yep exactly yep so they're going in blind and uh you know arthur seeing no other option He's like, yes, we can tear the head off. And Van Helsing, he starts to remove the wafers from the door. Oh, yeah. And Lucy's probably just, like, sitting there patiently, like, can you let me in yet? And, uh, yeah, so the wafers are removed, and she barely, like, slips through this crack. Like, her body was, like, able to morph, and she, like, slips through this like, the crack of the door, basically, and she, she became into her tomb. She became paper-thin. <laughs> no, I guess when I wafer picture, thin. Yeah, wafer thin, there you go. I guess yeah. when I think of it, I picture her turning into like a little plume of smoke or something like that. But maybe I didn't even read that part, and that's just what my mind told me it looked like. Just like, poof. Yep. Yep. Well, Dracula does do that. He does create that mist and can disappear. Um, true. And so they return to the grave that evening. And Van Helsing explains that if Lucy was to bite Arthur, he would have become undead. You know, like, <gasps> another word for our vampires. Um, and blood is pretty much what keeps them alive. Like, he tells them, like, that's why we needed to do the blood transfusion, all that stuff. And then Arthur tells Dr. Van Helsing that he will do whatever is needed to be done. You know, like they're all in and Van Helsing tells them you know this sounds a bit violent but it'll get the job done but you gotta drive a strike right through her heart and the old he does this wooden stake yep yep so 
they're they're at the coffin and everything and there's Lucy and Arthur he's ready to do whatever and this part is like really metal like I I wasn't expecting this but like so the yeah exactly the vampire Lucy she starts shaking and screaming this was like the craziest thing um like these little highlights are just so cool to me but the mouth starts chopping so hard that the lips start to become shredded from her sharp teeth and like just how violently she is like you know going off disgusting yeah and so yeah so like her cheeks and lips are being mangled um and like you know after some time it stops struggling and instead of being like this haggard monster monster um it returns to the original form which is lucy (sighs) and she is looking very nice as we've mentioned um and van helsing reassures that her soul has been restored and that they must leave the room so uh he can cut the head off (laughs) yep so he's he tells the rest of the guys get out of here you don't want to see this um cutting off the head so this is gonna get pretty nasty um and he's like you know We'll reunite soon. I got to go to Amsterdam to uh, go to a few coffee shops. And then uh, after that, we have to take care of this terrible task that's ahead. That's what he says specifically. He says that there's a very terrible task ahead. It's true. So, uh, meanwhile, Jonathan and Mina, uh, they're just doing their own thing. And they go to meet with Dr. Seward at the asylum. Mina, she thanks him for looking over Lucy, and she offers to transcribe his audio memos using a typewriter because he's been using a whatever a recording device in the eighteen hundreds uh, to do all of his journals, basically. Um, and she's like, "I'll transcribe those." And she also notes that uh, she also starts to collect newspaper articles relating to Dracula. So she's putting, like, all this stuff together, and it's just like uh, the book, you know? Like, it's um, exactly how the book is pieced together. It's almost like Lucy is putting the novel Dracula together because it is just journals. Like some sort of a scrapbook. Yep. So maybe that's a fan theory out there. But it seems like uh, Jonathan and Mina are really putting the work in for these uh, journals and all these notes. So, uh, Dr. Seward, he starts to read their journals and he's like, huh, I think Dracula is ri- living right next to me. Uh, <laughs> right next door. He's yep, always making we, noise. Yep, exactly. Because he, he's mentioned that... Um, well, you know, when uh, Jonathan was explaining the property, it was like by a church in an insane asylum. And the insane asylum is where Dr. Seward works. So, oh. And he's like, huh, th- that's why Renfield is uh, d- going crazy and ranting about his master. Um, and so he decides to v- visit Renfield who is currently in a calm state, and he's kind of wondering, like, what has Dracula done with you? 
what uh, what kind of impact or what has you know like what has he done to make you this way, Renfield? Um, <laughs> you don't so. want to know. Yeah. Uh, Renfield, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Jonathan, he starts to research like all of these boxes that have been shipped from Transyl- Transylvania to England, um, and. So I don't I don't think this spoils anything, but so basically it's these boxes of earth, Transylvanian like dirt basically, that Dracula can rest in because he can only really rest in um dirt or earth that's from Transylvania at dur- during the daytime. And considering the fact that it doesn't come into the um, story until much later, even though, like you said, it isn't that big of a spoiler. Uh, right in the beginning, when Jonathan was at Dracula's castle, he saw the wagons pull up with the, like the big empty boxes that were just getting filled with dirt. Yeah, I think that exactly. was I think that was the specific part, and I don't think that it's like an appropriate term these days. But I'm just going to quote the book when the Gypsy showed up, and Jonathan gave them the letter that Dracula tore up. Yep, exactly. And then Dracula's like, "This is a betrayal of my trust." Yep. And he's just been on a revenge spree ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's what led up to everything. <laughs> yep. He's just uh, really took that to heart. Yep. He's like, "Jonathan, I destroy your family and your hometown." <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so like Dracula needs these uh, boxes, and we've mentioned the boxes a lot. But um, yeah, because it is kind of confusing. Like, why is why is like a, a tenth of this book about boxes? Well, it's because Dracula needs that dirt. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty yep, sure so we wouldn't can... even know that until the end of part five if we didn't talk about it right now, because that's how it yeah. felt reading it. Yeah, but it's just like, what is going on with this stuff? Yep. Um, and so he discovers that they were all delivered to the old chapel that's by Dracula's mansion, but he wonders if they have been moved, like, somewhere else recently. Um, so, like, all all these boxes are scattered around, um, but most of them seem to be at Dracula's main residence. And... Mina, she starts to think that Jonathan has fully recovered from his brain fever. Like, uh, just just being around um, uh, Dr. Van Helsing and, like, talking to somebody that actually has knowledge about Dracula uh, has really made his memories better and his overall well-being much better. He's a strong man. Resolute. Yep. But... Behind every man, good man, is a strong woman. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, And that's definitely the case with Mina here. We'll definitely see. Uh, (laughs) Because Quincy and Arthur, they join the scene, and uh, Arthur starts to talk to Mina, and he starts to cry about Lucy and all the the stress that comes with uh, a late partner. And he lays his she- his head on her shoulder like a child. And this is what uh, Mina says. She says, quote, We women have something of the mother in us that makes us r- rise above smaller matters when the mother spirit is invoked. 
So wow. she's just like, come here, men. Like, uh, tell me all your worries. Just cry and you can lay your head on my shoulder. Um, I'll take care of you, even though that was my best friend that just died. <laughs> so Mina, she is definitely one of the strongest characters in this. She's great. And yeah, she really is. The, the star in, uh, in their lives, basically. And so she runs into Quincy, and she, Quincy's having a tough time, and she says, no one but a woman can comfort him right now. Uh, so many, <laughs> so many specific, like, I don't know if gender rules is the correct phrase, but as we talked about before, uh, they just specifically refer to, like, Mina being a wonderful woman with all the best womanly attributes with the strong heart of a man and the brain of a man like uh you know one gender <laughs> hands of a man like the other. yeah exactly man hands and all that um but yeah i guess that's just how brom stoker is writing the entire thing was talking about you know she is a wonderful woman with all the best attributes of a man Yep, um, exactly, and this is a total 180 from Lucy, who is, like, eating children, like, you know, Oof. like, Q, like, like QAnon, the adrenochrome shit, and now, um, this is just a complete turn, because she is being, like, a motherly figure to all these men who are so brave, and, um, Mina, she even says, like, you know, any man in the world right now that's feeling a little depressed, I would comfort them. And (laughs) with this, yeah. And Quincy, he starts to cry and she's like, uh, he comes, she comforts him. And like Quincy is like, I'll always remember this, Mina. You are the best woman ever. (sighs) Uh, yeah. So very nice scene here where she's just being a great character, the support, um, and so Mina, she's, it's almost like she's um, a true crime junkie and she's like really interested in like Renfield um, because he's just, she's heard so much about him and she's very interested in like just what kind of person is this. So she gets permission from Dr. Seward to see him and like a gentleman, Renfield decides to, uh, instead of sweeping his flies and spiders and dead birds under the rug when she uh, comes in, he decides to eat all of his creatures. <laughs> um, yeah, I so, mean, don't want to let it go to waste. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a lot of good protein. Mm. Um, yep, really tasty. And yeah, so right before she comes in, he does that and... They're like Dr. Seward and Mina are both like thrown off because Renfield, instead of talking in a manic tone like he's usually doing, talking about his master and the absorbing lives and souls, he is now talking like a scholar. Um, he's talking in very like complicated sentences and it's just very weird. Um, and they both say goodbye after having a nice conversation. 
And Renfield says he hopes he doesn't see her pretty face again. Oh. Yep. So you could take it as a insult, but I think there's a lot more meaning as we see how this story unfolds. Um, and Van Helsing, he compliments Mina and Jonathan on organizing the articles and journals. So now that we, we both know that uh, Jonathan and Mina are working on this. So, and then Bram Stoker, he just, you know, did the Shakespeare thing and stole it. Like the thief he is. Just kidding. He wrote this story. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he, Van Helsing, he gathers everybody and he's like, this is what the challenges are that lie ahead. Like, we're going to go through some, some pretty tough times here. And he tells them that they are facing a powerful vampire that is as strong as 20 men. And he can command wolves, bats, you know, smaller animals or, um, yeah, just pretty much a- anything in the natural realm he can control. And they can change shape. They can vanish at will. And uh, if we'll notice, there's a lot of wolves in the beginning there. When Jonathan uh, tries to escape like a day early, we remember like all those wolves uh, standing at the door. Oh, very, very scary part. And the wolves are even following him. Well, like following the um, cart that Dracula takes him there. Yeah, they're following them. Yep. He says it's like a ring of wolves around them the entire time. Yeah, wolves are howling all night, and it's just it's a spooky night. Like it's a very unholy night. Yeah, and. Uh, but Dr. Van Helsing, he is actually optimistic about this. He gives them like a little, little bit of a pep talk, and they all swear to take down this enemy, just kind of like we're saying it. It's just kind of like it, you know, uh, the loser club. Um, but these are very successful Victorian men and women, don't get me wrong. Oh, um, yeah. And Van Helsing explains that vampires can't enter a home unless invited and they can't operate in daylight so they must rest in a coffin or in the ground so yep that's like their biggest weakness and they're so it gives them like you know half the day where they can actually do some progress um and he says that the one they're about to face dracula has most likely lived for hundreds of years and you've heard of like in the very beginning dracula bragged about how his family is like so famous and they've won so many wars yep well it's highly probable that it was actually dracula that was commanding these things pretty crazy yeah so he's just like a war expert just an expert at anything with uh, battles and like uh, just war planning in general. He has that mastermind, like a chess player, you know? He's a couple moves ahead. And then he outlives every single person. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have anything at the end other than like a crappy old castle. Yeah, <laughs> and some gold. That's what he's moving uh, out for, I guess. Oh yeah, all the gold. Yep, yeah. Yeah, so um, 
yeah, these are just like little babies to him. Like he's just, you know, he he knows they're a threat, but he's like, I've I've faced much more than you. Um, so Van Helsing, he says that they must find all of the boxes of Earth uh, and destroy them before they can actually kill Dracula. And he tells Mina that she can't fight, but she must be, quote, our star and our hope. A very important quote there. Uh, Mina is, once again, like their, you know, a new hope, you know. It's just a lot of hope is on her back, and they all look forward to uh relying on her after all these battles and crying (laughs) you know crying and just expressing their feelings to her later on they all have a very Um, important role yep and you know that's a big one that's like uh that's a lot of lot of stuff she has to hear you know and she's all going through this too i mean lucy that was her best friend so um and so dr seward He gets a letter saying that Renfield has a very important message for him, and the whole gang asks to see this weird man. They're just like, we gotta see this guy, like, what is up with him? Uh, But once they show up, Renfield is once again very polite, and he knows everything about everyone in the room, Uh, which just throws them off because Renfield has never met any of these people. But he's smart. Yes, he, he is smart. Um, and he starts to beg for his release uh, because he is kind of like in a solitary confinement and being treated by Dr. Seward. Um, but Dr. Seward denies the request. And you can't really blame him. Renfield has been pretty violent lately, smashing heads into the ground. Ooh. And then Renfield says, quote... I did what I could do to convince you tonight. Oh, so pretty foreboding. A little bit, yeah. Like that is not what you want to hear when you're about to go into battle. Um, so the men they load up with their holiest objects, talking you know crosses, the wafers, maybe a little bit of wine. Um, they keep talking about how Jonathan's got a. One of those, like, backwards curving blades that he keeps in his belt at all times now, and he's just ready to use it. That's also in our arsenal. Blessed by the priest himself. I would hope so. The modern-day crusades here. Except for they're not going to uh, destroy Muslims this time. They're here to destroy Dracula. Yep. Um, And so the men, they head to Dracula's... I, I guess his, like, mansion is actually a chapel, um, but it's called Carfax. Um, so I guess I might have gotten that confused, but uh, I said, like, his house was in between a chapel and a insane asylum, but I think itself is actually a chapel, but I don't know. I got confused on that. Oh, I'm also confused. Um, yeah, and... But it's a very old building. That's pretty much all you need to know. It's been abandoned for quite some time. And they're able to break in, and it's dark, full of dust, spider webs, you know, 
just what you'd expect. Like it, it's just like a Scooby-Doo cartoon, an old mansion with all this, all these visuals. Perfect. And there's this terrible smell that's present, and it just like they can't quite put their finger on it, but they just know that it's um, a corrupted smell, like very unnatural, uh, very evil smell. Kind of like death, but worse, if that makes sense. Um, Corrupted. That's all you gotta know. Yep, exactly. So, uh, it's maybe the smell you smell once you walk into Applebee's, all that microwaved food. Just not good for you. Just not good for you. Uh, You guys can do much better than Applebee's. Um, Yep. I don't know. How do you how do you feel about Applebee's? Do you feel like the hate is uh justified or I got like uh some kind of like vampire drink or some kind of zombie drink there last October. And really? I, I couldn't tell you the time I was there before then or after. But, you know, that was a pretty good like $7 green mixed drink. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know. You know, it's... So, I I went back home to uh, surprise my brother, right? You know, for his 21st birthday. This was, like, a month ago now. First time hearing of it. (laughs) Um, And I remember my brother said... Well, through my parents, he said, I just want to go to Applebee's. Oh. And I was... Or maybe it was Chili's, but it was one of those two where it's just microwave too. Then was you like, were ready to uh, not, fly back. Yeah, I am not flying all the way back to the states to eat at Applebee's or Chili's. <laughs> I know this is your special day, uh, brother, but uh, <laughs> simple though, simple man. This is simple also days. yeah. My time is limited here in America. I have to get the good American food. Mm. Um. But yeah, it was a good time. Good time. Glad to be back. <laughs> um, yep. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this smell is just rancid, and maybe that rant is too long, but <laughs> I just don't like <laughs> I, I don't just think it don't was like Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, it's justified. Um, and so th- they're just, like, searching around in the dark, and but they are able to find 29 boxes of Earth, and Jonathan swears... You know, in the distance, he's able to see the outline of Dracula's face. But, you know, humans, they put a face to everything. So it's just like, I think I saw Dracula. Yeah, it's natural. But there's a few other guys that think they saw it. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, we try to make faces and everything. The word of the day, I don't know how to pronounce it, but periodolia or whatever, uh, is when (laughs) it looks like there's a face somewhere that there isn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, humans, they love looking at faces. So we try to we try to make faces out of everything. I love a good face. Yep. Me too. Me too. Um Yeah, so like they know his presence is there. They can feel it, but they're quickly ambushed by thousands of rats like the floor you know, it's just like Indiana Jones. The snakes are all at the bottom of the floor. Rats. This time it's like, Why did it have to yeah. be rats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Wait, what movie is that from again? No, that's just it's what Indiana Jones says, but he's afraid of snakes. Oh, snakes! Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, and it's just like this big sea of rats, but somebody has a dog whistle on them, and they whistle, and there's some dogs that come in there and chase all the rats away. Nice. So that's nice. How convenient. Good, good thinking. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like the shark repellent in the Batman movie. It's just like where did the hell where did that come from? Always um, there when you need it. Yep, so so convenient. Um, and Doctor Van Helsing is uh, you you know they're just kind of like, was that a successor? And then he's like, yeah, we destroyed most of the boxes, uh, or we found most of the boxes. So. They know a majority of them because I think there's fifty. Yep. So they found at least three fifths of the boxes. So that is fifty different spots that Dracula can, you know, creep into. Like whether he's renting out like a storage locker or throwing one in a cave or something like that, and he could just keep on spreading his reign of terror with these big boxes yeah. full of earth. Yeah, because that's like basically. You know, it's it's the bed in Minecraft. You know, it's your safe place. It's where. Oh, wow. uh, now we're yeah. deep. <laughs> yeah, but I know he didn't think I'd go that far, but here we are. Here we um, are. Yeah, and this is where his powers, like he can rejuvenate, whatever. Um, Just like and, the bed in Minecraft. Yeah, exactly. Your HP uh, fills up again. It's very nice, very comforting. Uh. Um, but. Yeah, for a man that's, like, planned this for a very long time, it's just like, really, Dracula? You're going to put three-fifths of your boxes in one location? <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, you know, honestly, I probably could have thought that one through a little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Don't put all your uh, stones in one basket, or however that saying goes. I don't all know. your eggs in one basket. Uh, yeah, all your eggs in one you basket. You could probably put all your stones in one basket. <laughs> Nothing will happen to them. They're just rocks. Yeah. You could use uh, any object, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they find most of them, and Dr. Van Helsing is very glad. He finds this to be a success. And Jonathan, he awakes the next day around noon, because, you know, they're they stayed up late to do this and Mina she is still sleeping even though uh, she went to bed way earlier and uh, she has like this face of terror when she awakens like nice. just this look of terror is on her face and they don't really know why it is like she had a bad dream or something um, and Dr. Van Helsing he visits Renfield to get more information, but he gets cursed out by Renfield uh, because, you know, Van Helsing, he's just trying to get more information on Dracula and vampires and all that stuff. And Renfield, he's, um, he's going through his own stuff. We'll find out. And he says, I wish you would take you and your idiotic brain theories somewhere else. Damn all the thick-headed Dutchmen. Well, so he's... He's, he doesn't want to talk right now. Um, and I thought it was pretty pretty funny that he put idiotic brain theories in there. It's like the modern-day conspiracy theory, I guess. Brain theory. Uh, like, 
yeah Dr- dracula doesn't exist <laughs> yeah it's all a it's all a conspiracy theory could be the previous night mina she's uh feeling pretty bad about lucy's death and this was the night that all the boys went out to have a little fun and find all those boxes <sighs> um you know a great pastime a fun pastime why not yeah i love hunting for boxes you know Keeping all those Amazon boxes for something one day. Boxes at Earth. Um, yeah. Um, and she's just, like, thinking about, like, all the strange things that have been going on. And as she goes to bed, she hears strange noises come from Renfield's room. Because they're all staying at Dr. Seward's at this point. And there's, like, this mist that's creeping up to the asylum. Like, she's looking out the window... And she can just see this mist take over the city. And it's like slowly creeping up towards her uh, window that she's staying at. And she goes back to bed and she's like, Huh, I could have swore I closed the window, but the window is open. Um, So I'm just going to close it. Uh, But she can't move because the fog starts to enter the room and she's stuck in bed. And as the fog surrounds her bed, she thinks she sees these red eyes peering from the mist. And she soon sees a white face slowly coming down to her face. But just like Jonathan, she thinks this was a dream because it's just so, you know, extreme and weird very outlandish good words for him yeah um there's just no there's no rational explanation which victorian england they wanted a lot of rational explanation things for things i guess i don't know well people still do Uh, yeah everyone everyone wants an answer yep uh and so jonathan he's continuing his investigation And he's trying to find out where the rest of the boxes are. And they're mostly in two houses in London. Because he's like like tracking down all these uh, ports and everything. He's talking to the people. And yeah, he finds out they're like in like these two houses in London. And there's nine in uh, this London suburb, which is uh, Piccadilly. Which I'm pretty sure is like... uh, uh, like a pizza chain or something. Ooh, I want pizza. Yeah, yep. Pizza's good. Yeah, yeah, um, Piccadilly Circus Pizza. Yeah, it has the lion on it. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Um, that's just something that I thought about when I saw it. Yeah. I don't know if it's a local chain or anything, but when I saw Piccadilly, I had to put it in here because I'm pretty sure it's a pizza. And it is. It is a pizza. It's confirmed here on the Bad Apple Book Club. Right here, right now. Yep. In case you're wondering. <laughs> um, let's see. looks like the HQ is in Iowa. <laughs> yep. So if anybody was wondering, <laughs> it is in Milford, Iowa. Perfect. Uh, Okaboji Avenue. Okaboji. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Piccadilly Pizza. Go get it, folks. Um, 
There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, coming to a location near you, uh, but just make sure it comes. It doesn't come in a in a box, a, a bo- wooden box. Uh, you know, wooden box full of dirt. <laughs> yeah. If, otherwise, you're gonna have to tell the pizza driver that's the wrong box. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh man. All right. Um. So Dr. Seward, he notes that Renfield has been changing behavior rapidly. You know, he's uh, he's losing interest of his old habits, which was fly eating and, you know, eating spiders and all that. It's always so sad um, when someone, like, loses the flame on something that interested them previously. Yeah, for real. Like, I mean, this is a warning sign for, you know, maybe depression. Um, oh. and it is kind of sad because Renfield, I think he's a multifaceted, he's got, he's a very complicated character and he just says like, you know, like, I- I'm sorry, I'm not interested in eating things as much, but he says, quote, life is all I want. You have to get a new patient for your study. Um, so he's pretty much done with his, uh, his ways and Dr. Seward notes that uh, for each life he takes, a soul is attached. And uh, it's almost like Renfield doesn't want to want to know about that because he come, becomes very frustrated. And when, like, uh, Dr. Seward, like, gives this hypothesis about, like, his final uh, diagnosis, he's like, yeah, you just want to absorb uh, souls. And, like, you know, there's an actual person attached to that. Renfield realizes this and he becomes very angry and it's almost like, huh, maybe Renfield didn't want to be doing this the whole time. Um, Pretty strange. So it, yeah, it makes him a very, like, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to feel much empathy for him, but now it's like, huh, like, what, what kind of power did Dracula have over him? And so Dr. Sewer believes that Renfield... You know, he enjoys the life absorbing, but he doesn't like thinking about the consequences. Like, you know, that that the person had a life, a family, whatever. So I guess that is good. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, and then next, uh, the men go to visit Renfield sometime later, and he is they're dying in front of the men and he admits he was visited by Dracula multiple times so yeah like obviously he had some connection to him and like Dracula promised him the good things in life you know like the the great food he was having the flies the spiders Mm. the birds all that stuff you know the good good stuff and you know he could have these things as long as he obeyed Dracula so when Mina visits him, this is very important. Renfield notes that Dracula had been taking the life out of her. So he is like um very he's actually angry about this and we'll note that when he last saw Mina, he says I hope to never see her face again is most likely because he knew that she was under well Dracula got to her. And so he does not like the idea of Mina, this great person, being infected by Dracula. 
So he gets angry when Dracula visits him and like Dracula, you know, he's OP. He's very OP. Oh yeah. Overpowered. And he like Renfield tries to like grab him because he noticed that the mist is coming in and like the apparition of Dracula starts to appear and he tries to grab him to attack him. But Dracula burns him with his eyes and like he does he just like throws him across the room like a like a rag doll. And Dracula slips away. He's strong. Yep, he's very strong. Um and yeah, like Renfield is like mangled. Like I'm pretty sure his face was smashed in. Yeah, oh he's yeah. He's got like yeah, like he, he had broken bones. They mentioned how uh, what was it like his face was beat up and his back was broken and they're like well his face could only be beat up if he fell out of bed but if he fell out of bed you know his back wouldn't have been broken like that or something they just they yeah. can't come up with anything it's some kind of strange catch 22 but he just got yeah the crap beat out of him by dracula yeah it's just yeah the way he he was just like a ragdoll like he his every limb was just contorted in a you know unnatural fashion and his face is just barely there it's a very crazy scene Oof. um yeah and it, it really shows how powerful dracula is like renfield we've mentioned it he is very strong as well and drag dracula just comes in and uh messes him up and so now they have an idea that Mina is in trouble and has been visited by Dracula thanks to Renfield. Um, so they rush to Jonathan and Mina's room because they're both sleeping together and they find the door locked. They break it open and it's a very tragic scene. Um, Jonathan, he's unconscious and Mina, she is kneeling by the bed and this is the weirdest part. Like, you would expect um, maybe Jack Dracula to be, like, biting at her throat. Um, but at this moment, Mina is sucking blood from the chest of Dracula. Ugh. Yes. Um, so, once again, it is, like, that sick reversal of, like, a motherhood role. Entirely. And, like... Yeah, and it's like Dracula is giving this sick, wretched, you know, milk to Mina. Life and essence. Yeah, and it's just so gross. Because, like, Mina obviously isn't um, uh, consenting to this, you know? It, she's being forced. Um, and Dracula, he prepares to attack, but... Van Helsing takes out the holy bread, you know, the communion wafers, and he probably tosses one like a frisbee. Yeah. And uh, hits Dracula. Uh, it's probably the but, size of a frisbee. <laughs> yeah, he, he saves like one giant communion wafer <laughs> that he's just, uh, that has like uh, blades on it or something. Oh, that would be but, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> um,. But yeah, so Dracula, he's like, oh crap, it's the holy bread, can't really do much. So, um, they light a lamp, and they now see that the Count has disappeared, and the mist is escaping through the door, so they're like, oh, we gotta follow the mist. Bye. And they chase, 
yep, like he just like disappears. Um, but they chase it with no luck, luck, and they see a bat flying into the night sky. And they discover that the Count has destroyed all of their research, uh, basically the book that they were putting together, all the notes, the journal entries, but thankfully, they made a copy oh. and put it in the safe. Yeah. So, at this there point, we go. At this point, I'm sure they've talked about how someone has told someone else about the journal entry they just wrote and the other person's like all right well let me get a hold of it so i can type it all down yep exactly it was probably mina that said it too yep good thing i uh saved this on my flash drive oh yeah just like uh i think it was toy story 2 um their like hard drives got corrupted or something but thankfully like one one of the animators had the whole movie saved on like uh, on some type of storage device. I remember hearing about that. And saved the whole the whole movie. Yep. So pretty neat. Um, and so now we go to the point of view of Mina. Uh, she kind of just recalls everything that happened that night, like what she can remember, because we'll remember that she does remember a white mist coming in there and a white face coming. But we're kind of skipping the events, like the time of events. So this is Mina's recollection of what happened. So Jonathan, he also regains consciousness along with Mina. And she remembers like waking up and seeing Jonathan unconscious and Dracula disappearing in the mist. Uh, like when, when he disappears once the gang shows up. And... She says that the Count threatened to kill Jonathan if she made any sound, like, you know, as um, she's as he's going to, like, pierce her throat with his teeth and drink her blood. So he does drink her blood from her throat, and he basically, well, he literally says, quote, this isn't my first time. Uh, and it's almost like this wicked... Uh, I guess you could say, like, metaphor. Each time Dracula drinks the blood from somebody, it's almost like raping them. Um, he's stealing something from them. He's stealing their identity. And he just gets pleasure from it it's just, and it's, power. Yeah, it's just the sick, uh, the sick act of doing something to a non-consenting being. Yeah, yep, exactly. Like, it's... It's this transfer of a disease, basically. Yeah, a mixture, or, like, taking someone's fluids. He's literally sucking the life out of them, but, you know, yeah. it can be used as a pretty crazy metaphor. <sighs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it is kind of sexual. Like, it's almost kind of like a kiss going for the neck. Um, kind of like a hickey of sorts. Um and like it's so gross this was like the thing that really stood out to me during this um lucy she notices like as or not lucy mina she notices that as uh his teeth is like sinking into her throat that it just smells like death like his his breath and his mouth just smells like death like rotting flesh just uh, so gross death incarnate Yep, um, and and then this is when he slices his chest open, 
and makes her drink his blood, which is just, it's just like the final mockery, I guess you could say. And like, you know, he's takes her head and she can't do anything because he's very strong and she makes her drink the blood. And then he says, quote, you will be the flesh of my flesh, the blood of my blood, end quote. And he basically says, you're going to be my slave. Humanity is going to be my slave. Uh, and there's nothing that you guys can do about it. And that is the end of our part four. Obviously, things are finally really ah. ramping up. <laughs> um, it did, uh, you know, that there's that intermission there that was pretty much two, three, two and three. Yeah, two and three. Um, where Lucy's just kind of getting sick and, you know, Dracula's slowly making his presence known. But this, it's like Dracula comes in here. His face is fully shown, and he's not scared to mess anything up. You know, he is going all out, just raining terror on all of these people. Yeah. So, yeah, it is um, It is great to see Dracula again. Obviously not for the gang, but, I mean, I, lo- I love a good villain. I think Dracula is pretty good. He's great. Um, yeah. At being so terrible. Yeah, yep, exactly. Uh, Dracula, he's the book's called Dracula, and we're finally get to, getting to see him at his worst. Oh, yeah. So, or at his best, I guess you could say. Re- exactly. <laughs> he just gets better with age. This, so. uh, that specific tale end a bit there, it shouldn't be understated that this is, like, very frightening to think about. You know what I mean? It might be kind of easy to brush yeah. off for whatever reason just because it's read off of a page, which in some senses can make, you know, what you can imagine can be more horrific than what they could put into a movie or something like that. But mm-hmm. Dracula isn't just coming here to sap blood from people and leave them as withered up husks. These people are either coming back, you know, with like some kind of crazy vengeance like he has, and he's also violating them in you know more ways than one yeah exactly like um i mean just with sexual assault victims like that experience is obviously very traumatic and um i think the same thing is happening here with each of his victims i mean he's going after the women that's very obvious yep um because he's just a sexual uh maniac um and yeah instead of carrying trauma it's just like he's making everyone else suffer along with his victim you know because everyone else has to watch their best friend or whatever transform into this just demonic you know thing that reeks of death and it's just terrifying and terrifying stuff and it's very emotional and you know not to get too philosophical about it but being that we've seen where his vampirism has led other people that were otherwise completely fine before he's probably suffering himself in some way you know yep yep but we'll get into that later yes we will yes we will so but until then uh until then you know part five it'll be the epic finale 
Um, yeah, Dracula. Dracula. <laughs> Dracula. Yep. Stay away from me. That's what I say. I also. Uh, I also say that. Yep. So keep your keep your communion wafers on you. Yeah. Holy wafers. And uh, yeah, just just stay stay safe out there. Stay safe out there. And have a good yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>